You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. I'm Megan Hale, business mentor and leadership coach for intuitive women ready to increase the revenue and their impact by elevating to CEO. This show blends the mindset and energetic wisdom with the business strategy to help you show up braver and go all in so you can be in your deepest integrity. If you are just now joining us, I'm so glad you're here. A huge welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. For all of my longtime listeners, you're likely notice a few changes over the next few episodes as some new programming is starting to take root over here. I cannot wait to share what I have been working on the past few weeks. It's all going to be so good and 100% focused on all my favorite topics, especially money, leadership, conscious impact, spirituality, and business growth. So stay tuned, friends. As I was kind of alluding to last episode, Wild and Holy is going through a beautiful metamorphosis over here, and I am so thrilled to share all new ways for us to go deeper that are going to help you step into more earnings so you can have a bigger impact in the world. I cannot wait. So if you have not tuned into last week's episode, The Power of Money, I definitely want you to go soak up that love note because it has been getting some amazing feedback. And I cannot tell you how much of a shift that this has created in my business of really understanding this connection between power and money, but it's also created a huge shift in my marriage and my personal relationship with money, which actually leads us into our episode for today. I knew that I wanted to follow up last week's episode by bringing on a financial advisor who specializes in helping women take more charge of their finances and also feel more empowered when it comes to money. And I just so happened to meet her at my first entrepreneurial meetup here in Omaha. So my friends, if you are not getting out of the house and meeting people in real life, please do because it is so easy to get lonely in this virtual entrepreneurial journey. And I have to say, I really think that there is a big shift coming more and more people are wanting in-person connection. And to fill that need, I am definitely going to be creating a way for us to hang out in real life, beyond retreats, beyond masterminds. So stay tuned for that because I am cooking up an amazing strategy supper club concept that I cannot wait to invite you to. We are still a few months out from making that dream real, but I just want you to know that you always have a seat at my table and I cannot wait until we are gathered around this same one for a powerful mix of business wisdom and strategy. So get excited for that. I know that I am. You know, one of the things that I am making it a point to do is connecting with people over coffee every month here. And so far I have met three new friends one-on-one and been to one small intimate group meetup here, which is where I met Kath Darrison, who is our guest for today. So Kath is a private wealth manager who works primarily with women and their families to help them create financial success. She has a passion for educating and helping families feel confident in their future, creating a plan and pathway for them to come together. She helps individuals and families with achieving their financial goals and dreams from a holistic viewpoint, which I absolutely love. As a fiduciary, Kath's firm is independent. 
So Kath also serves as a board member for a nonprofit organization that provides financial literacy to children from K through 12 and through to adulthood here in Nebraska, which is so great, right? I mean, how much financial education did you receive growing up? I know that I did not receive a lot, and I think that it is so needed, especially for us as women. Now, as a disclaimer before we get into our interview for today, Kath is a regulated advisor. However, this podcast does not constitute advice, okay? She is not affiliated with any specific specific products that may or may not be mentioned during this podcast or other public recordings. You should absolutely seek advice regarding your own personal circumstances as we definitely dive into in this episode. A few things that I want to point you to before we dive in. I really love how Kath talks about not just setting financial goals, but also having an outside party to help with accountability. I cannot agree more that having accountability is so crucial for our success, especially when it comes to money, which is like a typically emotional concept, right? And I also love the way that she works with couples to help them get on the same page with their financial goals. As we dive into in this episode, money is deeply rooted in our personal values and the meanings that we attach to it, right? If you've tuned into the money series, which is episodes 27 through 44, you know we've talked a whole lot about this concept in particular and how we can shift our narratives and the meanings that we attach to money. Doing this in your relationship is also so important and transformative. I really feel like Kath is filling a huge gap in the financial industry as she isn't just focused on helping her clients build wealth, but actually shift their money behaviors to help them reach their goals. So to connect with her after the episode, definitely follow her on Facebook. I've included a link down in the show notes. I am so excited to dive in friends. So let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. I have a special treat for you today because I am being joined by one of my first few friends that I have made in Omaha, which is my new city that I've been living in for just two months now. And I am so thrilled to be bringing her wisdom to you today. Kath, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Megan, for having me. Absolutely. So I would love for you to tell my audience a little bit more about what you do in your own words and how you came to be doing this work. Sure. So I'll probably start with how I became to do my work. First of all, Um, as you can tell, I have an accent, so I'm not from the US. Mm -hmm. Um, I started back in finance in 2005 in the UK. Um, I worked in a variety of roles over there and ended up working in uh, financial advice as a financial advisor for a really small boutique firm that really allowed me to kind of explore how I wanted to shape my element of the business. So then when I relocated to the United States to marry my American husband, Mm -hmm. um, I decided to carry on with the work that I do. But I'm really kind of trying to focus more here in the US on working with women primarily and their families, Mm. get a real success point in their finances. Mm. So I think comparing kind of country knowledge, there's a lot more basic understanding available. Uh, I don't know whether it's from just family knowledge or schooling or what what it is in the UK, but there's not as many people over here who know as much about how to make a financial plan work. So it's been a real um, difference (laughs) to try and get accustomed to and kind of dialing back things that I would assume people would normally know. And that's not saying people don't know anything, but there's so much conflicting information out there on the internet or there's different types of advisors over here that it's kind of all been a bit gray. 
Um, so I really kind of help women find their position, find what they're looking for. And if we're a great fit, we work together to bring them financial success. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I am so intrigued by this because last week we, I did an episode on the power of money and really talked mm -hmm. about how, you know, when women are stepping into more earning, when they're stepping into more mm -hmm. financial stewardship of managing their money, knowing about their money, what it's doing, what they want it to do, all of those things. It's really us stepping into our personal power to create more freedom for ourselves and to also be more educated and feel more confident in our ability to know you know, about finances and what we want our finances to do for us. So mm -hmm. I think that it's super fascinating that there is a cultural difference between the UK and the US. Mm -hmm. um, even just, and I don't even know anything about the UK history, but I know mm -hmm. in the US, you know, women were not allowed to open up their own checking accounts until like the seventies here. Like they had to be a man mm -hmm. that was, you know, chaperoning your accounts and all these things. And so women have really been historically behind the curve of being in charge of finances. Yes. Which is really interesting because when you look at um, a lot of family structures, women are actually doing most of the budgeting. So, I mean, in, in my research anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I find this really interesting that women are taking on the role of managing the books in the family, but don't necessarily know a whole lot about what money can do or what they want it to do or really stepping into like the financial power for their family either. Totally. And often as well, there's kind of an assumed if you ask questions, you won't seem that you well, you won't seem that you're bright mm -hmm. or you'll be seen as though you're stupid for asking that, that question. Mm -hmm. You should know it. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a lack of confidence um, with women in general to ask questions, especially yeah. if you walk into a room. I mean, in, in my profession alone, only 20 percent of our population, roughly the financial advisors are women. So you're yes. typically going to walk into an office with a guy in a suit and you're not going to necessarily feel um, confident about that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a very much male dominated industry, which I think sets kind of some precedents anyways, that mm -hmm. I guess, you know, men must know more about money than women do. But I also think that we're at this turning point in our culture in the US, at least, where women are really starting to say, um, no, that's not okay. That's not how it's <laughs> going to go. I'm actually going to step into this role and do what I want to do with my money and actually gain more confidence with it. So in your personal work, are you really helping women step into more confidence around finances? Yes. I mean, one of the, one of the elements that I kind of do is a lot of education mm -hmm. as well. So I, I start from the bottom. So even if people know the information that I'm telling them, I'm assuming they don't. So there's never that awkward moment of, can you just explain what that means? Cause I don't know it or yeah. that fear of asking that question. So I kind of take that away mm -hmm. by starting talking about real basic terms, like a budget. Um, cause that to me is a real key component to anybody's finances is the budget. Oh, yes. And yeah. women are in control of that typically, as you said, rightly so. Mm -hmm. So if they're in control of it, it's something they're going to be more confident talking about. And then the, obviously the conversation naturally progresses from there. As soon as women feel comfortable talking about it, They'll talk about something else that they're maybe not so comfortable with, and we can really build on their knowledge from that. I love that. I love that you start with the strengths. I think that that's so smart mm -hmm. and also a really positive experience for clients too, to start where there's a level of mastery. So I know mm -hmm. that one of the things that you work on is helping people create different financial habits, right? Yes. Can you talk more about that? And like, what would, what are some of the things that you might have your clients do? 
Um, so I do actually ask them to do quite a number of things from taking their Gallup strength test to taking an Enneagram to taking just a, an assessment that I ask them to do with regards to finance, really to understand their back history, their thought process and their ways around what money means to them, how they manage it and a whole host of other things within that. But those insights for me allow me to position things differently for them mm -hmm. as a client. So for instance, if I know that somebody's had a really traumatic past with money or their family were brought up and they didn't really have a lot, mm -hmm. we talk in a different manner to mm -hmm. them. Uh, well, I do obviously um, talk, to, talk to them in a different manner than I would talk to somebody, for instance, who'd been around money regularly when they were growing up mm -hmm. because they'd just be a completely different insight. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, more kind of history about my clients allows me to help them in the present and the future mm -hmm. by just understanding them better so I mean even just knowing what your strengths are and allowing those to shine and for a client to feel comfortable in the fact of they're doing something they're good at yeah sometimes giving different you know if I get a husband and a wife and giving them different things to read or different things to do activity wise mm -hmm. helps progress them along their journey. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this so much, especially, so I'm, I'm doing a program right now um, for my own business where I just did the Gallup Strengths Finder. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I have like my top five strengths listed yeah. like right in front of me, but the Enneagram, like I would, I'm so fascinated how both the Strengths Finder and the Enneagram really interact with how we treat our money from your perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for instance, one of the, um, one of the tests that I look at is how, how a client's mindset is. So this isn't the Gallup or the Enneagram, but one of them is about money mindset mm -hmm. and it's what type of money mindset they have. Um, I know we often probably hear, heard about abundance and scarcity and how that can really affect the thought process of every transaction that you make. Sure. Um, and one thing I'm a big proponent of is yes, an abundant mindset is great, but let's be purposeful about that. Mm. So knowing what their strengths are from one of those other tests, I can kind of interweave my conversation just by knowing them a little bit deeper into, I know this isn't going to feel comfortable for you, mm -hmm. or I know this is going to be outside of your comfort zone, but I'm going to push you. And just mm -hmm. that acknowledgement immediately allows people to feel a little bit less stressed about doing an activity I might give them to do around money. Yes. Yes. So tell me, what are some of the meanings that we attach to money in your experience? Oh, emotion is a big driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> emotion is probably one of the, the worst things really to, to kind of associate with money, whether it's happiness or sadness, because habits form so easily, but mm -hmm. breaking habits is a lot harder. Mm -hmm. um, I do come across a lot of people who do have an abundant mindset, but it's not necessarily rooted in a healthy history. Mm. So for them, an abundant mindset takes on a characteristic of overspending. Oh. Um, I've got other clients who, you know, they have a scarcity mindset, but for them, it's actually a responsible element. So they're really focusing on saving and they've built up a great nest egg for the long-term future. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing them back to the present rather than thinking just about the long-term. Oh, I love that. So yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that you can incorporate um, these different tests with, with people. But the, the real thing is just to find out who they are as individuals. There's no one box fits all with finances, just yes. as there is with anything. So whether it's an emotional driver, 
somebody's using as their reasoning for doing something. I mean, I often refer people back to, to therapists or counsellors if there's an issue I feel they need to go and investigate further mm-hmm. because I'm not qualified in helping them with that. But yeah. I know it's an issue that's going to cause them some financial stress or pressure if that emotion continues to, to happen. For sure. Um, especially when we look at like budgeting. So I get my clients to do like a, a back a back budget. So I get them to take kind of the last six months spending and really analyze every single transaction mm-hmm. and put them into different categories. And it's actually quite overwhelming how many people don't realize what they're spending mm-hmm. and then when they're spending it. And it's typically an emotional reaction, mm-hmm. whether it's, oh, I just had a bonus that so we were really happy. So we went out to dinner and we spent three times the amount on dinner that we would normally do. Right. Or whether it's, you know, we had some really bad news and I needed to feel better. So I went online and I just bought something that I've been wanting to buy for a long time because I knew I wasn't going to be able to buy it again for a long time. Mm. There's often those emotions that drive you to do something, but often they're the kind of wrong emotions we're focusing on. Yeah. Um, Not necessarily wrong, just wrong timing of when those emotions are coming forth and pushing us to do something. Mm. So I think it's just kind of looking at a whole picture rather than just taking a, typical advisor perspective of let's talk about how much money you have how much money you want and what the numbers look like money goes into such a deeper part of our personality yeah. than that surface level yeah you know i've always kind of found it overwhelming to really like plan for retirement of like how mm-hmm. do how do you even answer some of those questions because mm-hmm. you really have to have a lot of clarity around what you want your lifestyle to look like yeah. what kind of goals you want to have reached by that point mm-hmm. like all of these very abstract concepts where so much can change like so many life events can happen that you are Absolutely. unprepared for right and yeah. so i've oftentimes found that really hard to really pinpoint some numbers down because money is, yes. And trust me, I love the black and whiteness of money. I love Mm -hmm. playing with numbers. I love making them do things. (laughs) That's really fun for me. Mm -hmm. But there's also this completely emotional aspect of money where we're really trying to create this sense of safety for ourselves or comfort or freedom, whatever that is. And Mm -hmm. money alone cannot create something that we also are not willing to create within ourselves. Correct. And so for me, it's like really thinking about the future of like, how do I answer these questions where there is so much unknown? Also knowing Mm -hmm. like money can't be the end all be all solution at the end of the day either. So Mm -hmm. it's really starting to tap into a lot of different layers here. Like money is more than just numbers. It's Mm -hmm. far more complex than that. Totally. And there's also kind of, you know, things that I guess with consumerism in today's age we're kind of expected to spend money on certain things and that also can play a big part in how we feel that we're doing so we kind of measure ourselves against our peers Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that has a big part to play in the overall financial picture of most families that I meet yeah not necessarily saying that they're agreeing with anything that's happening around them but there's definitely a pressure Mm-hmm. in society to kind of build wealth be seen to be successful sure. and kind of you know kind of like a shame to maybe not be as successful as you want to be yeah, um, yeah. and all that kind of plays into the big financial picture when you look at just even basic spending and, and creating a budget with somebody 
just even get into the depths of, okay, so why was so much spent in this one area? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you get um, a couple together, one spouse will be in charge of the budget. So they'll know pretty much every line item mm-hmm. and the other spouse doesn't. So when you have that discussion, <laughs> they're both like, really? Mm-hmm. Did I spend, I spent that much there? I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, that I don't, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> and it'll be kind of like a, this, I, this doesn't sound right to me. This doesn't sound like what I want it to sound like, you know, it's not, that it's not right. Cause it is correct. It's more that it doesn't sound like their own image in their own head. So making that like reality, like connection, making that real connection for them actually really helps them take a step back and go, okay, let's really make this successful. Let's take all that emotion, that spending, that lack of spending, whatever it is that I'm doing that's not really resonating with who I am or what I want to be. And then from that, from having that budget and that healthy conversation with a spouse, they can really get together and and create joint goals that are more tangible. They can start talking about five years, 10 years, Mm -hmm. 15 years, and putting down some goals that are realistic, but that they know that they can commit to as well. Because as you said, retirement is how many years away for, I know our generation, it's Mm -hmm. quite a number. Um, so even thinking about, well, what do I want to spend in retirement? If you don't know what you want to spend today, there's no way you can even understand what you want to spend in retirement. You don't know what your lifestyle is going to look like if you don't know what it looks like now. That's so true. That's so true. And I'm, I'm laughing over here because, you know, in my, in my marriage, I'm the one that has the budgets and the Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> like I know how much each line item costs. And so sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm going through, you know, our budget with my husband and he's like, we're spending that much on this area. And I'm like, yeah. And like, to me, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I know these things. I, cause I check in with them so often. And to him, it's like, I had no idea we were spending that much, or I had no idea we were saving that much. And it's, so it's always interesting to me how, I think the other piece to this, which I really would love to get your feedback on, because I know that you work with couples on getting on the same page, because money is very value driven too. And Mm -hmm. when two people have very different values, Mm -hmm. it can sometimes be difficult to create a budget that honors both value systems, right? So for instance, I love to save, my husband is more of the spender. And we sometimes have to like really not like we don't go back and forth, back and forth. That's like, we have to find these middle ground points with each other where mm-hmm. we're not leaning too heavily to one side. Like we're making yeah. space for both of our, our goals and, and our desires basically within the same budget. So mm-hmm. I would love to know some of your like processes for helping people who have very different value systems, like mm-hmm. get on the same page. So people feel like both of their dreams are being prioritized. Yeah, and a lot of that really stems from I know something I mentioned earlier about like working backwards first mm-hmm. before working forwards. Look at like your individual childhood. That's definitely one thing that I make most of my couples do is look back at what created your current situation, your current mindset, your current values, your current beliefs when it comes to money. Yeah, you know, take a look at a phrase that you might remember from when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I remember uh, one of my clients saying that he remembers his grandmother saying, look after the pennies, Mm. you know, things like that, you know, always look after the pennies. It's such a simple thing. Yeah. If that's extrapolated, you can become incredibly frugal because of that, because you're always concerned about the pennies and the underlying numbers. Sure. And it can become overwhelming. So you can't see outside of that situation. 
-hmm. But on the other hand, also, it does mean that you're going to probably be more responsible when it comes to money too, and not spend so much on the consumerism that goes on yeah in our kind of day and age so really getting people to kind of investigate their past tell me about your money history talk to each other about your money history because that's one thing people don't do when they talk about money together as a couple they go well we spent this and we shouldn't spend that Mm -hmm. that's not really talking about money that's talking about one part of it and i think just having a conversation that's healthy having a conversation that involves both of you talking about your past Mm-hmm. and your experiences just helps you put yourself in the other person's shoes. For sure. I mean, and the thing that I'm hearing you say that I, I want all of our, the listeners to hear is when you're re- asking your partner about their money story, even just looking at your own to really mm-hmm. focus on the, the strengths that it has given you yeah. while also the limitations, right? Like going back to that mm-hmm. client example, like they're probably really responsible with money because mm-hmm. of that story that they have. They are more likely to get less caught up in consumerism, right? And mm-hmm. on the limitation side, they're probably going to be far too concerned with every single cent and making sure everything mm-hmm. is accounted for. And that can be a little bit um, rigid when mm-hmm. it comes to money. And I think that that's such an important part of the conversation because oftentimes yeah. when we are digging into our own money story, we tend to focus on what we're not good at, at our own limitations and don't do as much work around really acknowledging our strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think that that having both is that's the full picture where you can really start to leverage, you know, your personal story just as mm-hmm. it is without even changing anything, right? <laughs> where yeah, you can actually totally. start to gain some momentum while you continue to do your own money story work. Mm-hmm. And it kind of also, also, and this is from things that I've learned working alongside therapists and counselors, because um, that's something that I do also is work alongside them, um, is just that it kind of brings them together as a, as a couple. You know, it, Having those conversations about experiences and the emotions that came with those experiences, mm-hmm. having that insight on your spouse from a time that you weren't around mm-hmm. just brings you closer in that kind of, I learned something new about my spouse today that I didn't know. Yeah. And it made me feel like I understand them more. Yeah. I think that's so important. I've definitely seen that happen in my own marriage too, of just starting to understand each other more around our spending habits and what money means to us yeah, and why it means that to us based on mm-hmm. our family experiences has been really, really great. So yeah. I would be curious to know, you know, when, when you set a budget with a couple and I mean, that's like the first part, right? Having that clarity, yeah. like this is the budget. Now we have some goals. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of like, it's not easy, but it's, you know, easier. I think the hardest part is actually following through on starting to change the behaviors that will actually help you get to your goal. Mm-hmm. So what are some like preliminary steps? And I, I know this will vary from client to client and the goal and the behaviors and all of that, but what are some tips that you often find yourself giving clients again and again to help them reach their goals? Be patient, number one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, things never change overnight. As I said, habits are easy to form and hard to break. Mm-hmm. So it's one that really you need to give each other patience. If you're not seeing your spouse be as on board as you are with something that you're progressing with. Mm -hmm. It's not saying they're not on board. It's just saying they're taking a different pathway there. Mm. And I think having that patience with your spouse when it comes to money is great. As long as you see that they're committed to continuing 
to hold themselves accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And I think having um, spoken to a few clients about this, one of the things that they value most is having a third party be their accountability partner. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I am for them a lot of the time is when we put a budget together, of course, they're, you know, they're paying me fees to help them. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's more along the lines of because I know that you're expecting me to do this and you're not my spouse. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel that there's that underlying other reason or there's no emotion attached to it. It's just very factual. It's right. very straightforward, but it allows them to feel like they need to do something and there's an urgency behind it. Yes. I love that. So that's been one of the the biggest things tool wise is just being that third party accountability partner. Yeah. Financial goals. Um, But also other things like I know there's a, there's a, there's so many apps out there that you can use now to track spending and finances. And sometimes finding the right one is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just talking to somebody today about using an app. And sometimes we were saying that, you know, you don't always necessarily check an app. Because right next to it, there might be another app like Amazon or Facebook <laughs> or something else that kind of just piques your interest. Right. Um, so the, the, the software that I use with clients is more desktop orientated, it is mobile friendly, but it's not an app. So okay. it just takes away that other kind of thing that will take interest away from the focus point. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I do make clients well I say make clients I can't physically force them but (laughs) one thing I really try and get them to do is set a meeting set a weekly meeting with each other whether it's 15 minutes 30 minutes whatever it is set that meeting it's not a meeting to judge each other it's a meeting to just talk about Mm -hmm. money yeah 15 minutes is better than zero minutes so even if it's only 15 minutes you can spare once a week that's going to take you 10 steps more towards the direction you want to go financially than having zero conversation about it. Yes. So setting meetings is something I think is a priority. And mm-hmm. I typically give my clients a weekly task to, to complete anyway, okay. or, a bi- or a bi-weekly task, mm-hmm. um, such as read this, read this excerpt from this book and then discuss mm-hmm. it with each other about money. Yeah. Or complete this activity or send me your spreadsheet with all your budget items that you've had going on this month so far mm-hmm. um, and just having the fact that they have to get that work done then yes. start that conversation so if they have a meeting that's set in stone in their calendar it's more like they can't avoid doing it yes I love that I, so one of the questions that I have for you is you know if people are setting these weekly meetings with their spouse or mm-hmm. partner um, are there some basic like bullet points that we want to make sure that we're talking about in those meetings? Just really being open and honest, mm-hmm. I would think is the number one priority. If there's something worrying you about money, yes. bring it up and just say, these are my points I want to discuss mm-hmm. and have them open on the table as these are the points that I would like to discuss this week. Okay. Don't have it kind of, because uh, it, it varies so much. It's really hard to kind of say a specific point, but maybe during the week before, write down those things that are those small financial niggles mm-hmm. or things that you don't know how to bring up. And just be honest that you might not know the answer to it. Um, there's right. nothing wrong with not knowing the answer because your spouse might have a great solution. Um, yeah. And that's how you can both get on the same team when it comes to your financial future. Well, I just, I love the vulnerability that comes with 
you know, bringing up your concerns about money. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds so like, of course, of course you would do that. But I yeah. think oftentimes that we don't even think about bringing our worry concerns to our partner and we just bury mm-hmm. them and we deal with them on our own yeah. when, and so what we do and is women we, do that more. <laughs> I have no doubt. And so we isolate ourselves, <laughs> yeah. but I also think when we do that, we can make some assumptions around how our spouse is feeling or not feeling or what they're doing or not doing. And that creates these stories that can create all this resentment between us and our partner Mm -hmm. around money. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So even if we're able to take a weekly meeting to just check in and just say, Mm -hmm. these are the things I want to celebrate around our money. These are the things that I'm concerned about. I mean, both of those in and of themselves is just going to strengthen the way that money is functioning in your relationship. Absolutely. And when I, when I do kind of review calls with clients as well, we always focus on, okay, so what things do we think we could work on? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a concern, but what do we think we can work on? So it's always in a positive light. It's not kind of being like, you spent too much money on this. Right. <laughs> uh, or why did you go and spend that money? Why didn't you save that money? It's always, what do we want to work on? What do you think is the point this week that came up that you wanted to work on? And what thing did you think that, you know what, we worked as a great team. This yes. is our success point this week. Yes. No, I love that. And, you know, we were talking after our last meetup around how you structure a lot of your work with clients. And we've talked briefly about how you give like weekly or biweekly exercises, but you also Mm -hmm. layer in a monthly check-in session with them too, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I always have a kind of one-on-one conversation, whether it's in faith or if they both can't do that, we have a phone call. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really kind of is, guiding the conversation towards how to improve the next month's conversations Mm -hmm. how to allow more openness and really a lot of that for me is listening Mm -hmm. and hearing what the other is you know the other parties are saying Mm -hmm. and then utilizing their strengths so if i know that they have a real positive or one of their their strengths is positivity Mm -hmm. i know that they're always going to look for the positive elements in that situation right so just kind of reiterating that positive message but in a different manner because it comes from a third party yeah sounds different it's it just sounds different and then with that spouse as well if they feel like their spouse is being heard Mm -hmm. they then feel more confident themselves in their own issues Mm -hmm. so vice versa and it just kind of creates that pattern but I really like those calls to really just allow the clients to talk about what they want to talk about Mm -hmm. it's not me telling them what they should be doing it's yeah, me yeah. facilitating what they really want. Yes. And I think that's a huge difference because I'm not, I'm not somebody who's going to sit there and say, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to invest this money here, here, and here because it goes so much deeper than that. Oh, sure. And I think it's like so unique depending on all the goals and all of yep. the current situation too. So, Absolutely. you know, talking specifically to women becoming more empowered around money what yeah. are some of the steps you know we, you think we need to be taking on a re- regular, consistently, consistent basis to feel more confident around money? I think number one is to obviously talk to your spouse, but number two, I would say, is educate yourself as well. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, then there's not that many of us, but there are women, female financial advisors out there that would be more than happy to have a coffee with you. Mm-hmm please don't feel afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure even what a financial advisor process looks like, reach out to a female advisor if you feel more comfortable and ask for a coffee. Mm -hmm. If they don't do that, 
find another one who will because mm -hmm. they are out there <laughs> yeah I'm not the only one who likes to educate um but know that women really want to support other women too so yes. if you have a friend that you know is really successful ask her how she gets successful what do you, what tips have you got to be really successful with money yes again it's that whole kind of shame point of not being where you want to be and people concerning themselves with that and really everyone kind of feels similar they don't want to ask questions they don't want to be the awkward one but all it takes is one question and you might find that your whole group of girlfriends actually can help you more than you realize yes and you know that the thing that i hear you saying is just talk about money like talk about it frequently mm -hmm. talk about it with other women and i think that that is such a powerful suggestion because mm -hmm. money has notoriously been a topic that's like very taboo to discuss very much like sex is right and yeah, the absolutely. more you're talking about it the more normal it becomes like as part of your everyday mm -hmm. life and yep. it doesn't feel like this thing that you're doing all by yourself one two that there's not so much shame around it and three the mm -hmm. more time you're sharing information with what you are doing and and is working or not working with other women around what's working, what's not working, you're building your repertoire of understanding how money works in different situations. And maybe somebody has some ideas that you haven't tried yet that you want to give it a go, you know, and see how that yeah. impacts your finances. And I really think it's, that's one way for us to leverage our strengths as women. We love to talk. Mm -hmm. us. We love to talk. I think there's been such little focus on the collaboration of women doing things like that. As you said, like taking away that shame about money, we're not saying go and ask all your friends how much they earn per year. That's not what the conversations are about. Right. When you talk about money, it's like, how do I find a less expensive daycare for my kids? Mm -hmm. How do I afford to send my, my daughter to all her extracurricular activities whilst trying to start a business for myself? How do I manage that process? Yeah. That's the kind of money conversations that women are really good at coming up with solutions for each other for. Um, it's just having, as you said, having those conversations and being open to, to asking the question. I think yes. we, we don't realize the skill and the quality of the women around us and mm -hmm. how much they impact our lives already. Yes. They can impact our lives even more if we just ask more questions of them rather going to a guy in an office in a suit or, and that's not saying they're wrong either. <laughs> um, but I think we miss out on so much by not collaborating with our, with our girlfriends, with other female business owners, right. you know, and there's that stereotype that women are just really catty with each other. And mm -hmm. I think we need to get rid of that and start, oh, support, sure. start supporting each other, start showing up for each other and help. I mean, that's what women are good at. We, we raise children and we're good at doing that because we put them through school or whatever it is that we do uh, for their day-to-day -day lives. We get them ready for school. So we're helping, you know, little people turn into adults. And I think the more that children see the, the female in the relationship be confident with money as well, it just breeds more um, positivity for children as they grow. Sure. I mean, and think about the impact that has if, you know, two parents are talking about money. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that's all, that's just automatically bringing more money into the family conversation mm -hmm. too. So your children are learning through that process. But the other thing that, you know, I want to make sure all of the listeners are hearing is, you know, it is really important for us as women to talk to other women about building wealth, especially mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, how yeah. we, um, you know, confidently go after big money goals and not shy away from, mm -hmm. from building money and pursuing money and all of those things. And yeah. 
that's one of the biggest benefits that I have found having more money conversations is really um, just how much my money mindset has shifted. Talking Mm -hmm. to powerful women who are, you know, unashamedly just going after big money goals um, so Mm -hmm. they can make a bigger impact in the world so they can support their family in a bigger way. Even having conversations around how women are spending their money within their own households to Mm -hmm. create more freedom and efficiency for how their household runs so they have more time to dedicate to their business. I mean, there's so many gifts to be gained by having Mm -hmm. conversations, especially with other entrepreneurial women. So Mm -hmm. I just love that so much. Not only does it build connection, but it can really open up your mindset to think even bigger so you can make a bigger impact in the world. Totally. I mean, if you ask any woman, like why, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, why did you start your own business? Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to make sure my family had financial freedom or Mm -hmm. I wanted to allow my kids to do the things I never got to do. Well, whatever it is that is your story, typically for women, it's because of the family. That's why they're doing what they're doing. They go out to work every day to bring money in for the family. Um, it's, it's quite a different mindset for, for men, generally speaking, I'm not saying this is every man, but it's, it's quite a different mindset. I'm yes, not saying yes. they're not thinking about the family, but it's definitely not their primary and sole goal when you first initially talk to them about why they go to work every day. Yeah. I mean, I think the conditioning is just so different. I mean, I think men, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure for them to be a provider, but there's also this sense of masculinity around being um, successful and being Mm -hmm. able to be a strong provider too. And with women, I see money really serving um, more from a a nurturing role, but also Mm -hmm. safety and security and freedom. Um, it's just, it's so fascinating. I, that's why I love money so much because it's just, it's so personal to every single person and we all have our own desires for it. We all have our own stories around it and we all have our own journey of, you know, the possibilities that are before us to and what we want to do with that money to leave a legacy or build more wealth or whatever that is. So I think being more empowered and educated around it with the work that you're doing, having that outside resource. I mean, having a third party, that is just so valuable to mm-hmm. have somebody that's holding you accountable towards your goals. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's been so many studies you can probably Google hundreds of studies on, on women and money and the results that have shown that having an accountability partner can make a big difference in reaching your goals. Um, I know a lot of people dismiss needing an advisor, but I think that's because it's seen as the the old school traditional advisor from years ago. Um, And not all of us are like that now. It's a very different landscape. And the more women that join the profession, the more variety in services that get offered and the the difference in conversations too. And I said, that's not dismissing anybody who does it the old school way because that works for a a big segment of society. Mm -hmm. However, there are others obviously out there like myself who can help women in different ways and their families really gauge and get some financial clarity around what they want. Um, By looking back, by looking at now and looking in the future. And I just think there's so many elements to it. Mm -hmm. It's not a one fits all box, but start having those conversations. It just builds more confidence, um, more ability to actually reach the goals that you set and and as we said just now you know kind of showing children below us what healthy money conversations are Mm -hmm. that will make a bigger impact than anybody can realize 
Yeah. Well, I, I just love your holistic approach to it too. Cause it's not just around having a budget, having a plan, having the goals. It's really like adding in those supportive elements that actually help people reach them. And I think that that is just so incredibly important and probably where there's a huge gap in the market. Um, you know, financial advisors and, and, my experience, they're really great at talking about the budgets, talking about the goals, but then it's like really up to you to reach them, right? <laughs> it doesn't address any of the money behaviors, any of the money no. mindset, any of the money story, any of the way that it works in your marriage or partnership. Mm -hmm. And like, those are pretty important elements to actually yeah. helping you reach your goals. So I love that you mm -hmm. are filling that gap. And I'm just so grateful for you coming and sharing your wisdom with my audience today. Kath, thank you. No, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Absolutely. And you guys, if y'all are interested in learning more about Kath and everything that she offers, please find her website and information down in the show notes. And until next time, here's to the courage to show up braver, whole heart, full self, all in. We got this.